Hey there, welcome back. In the last episode, I talked about how to know if you're ready to move on to a new relationship after a breakup. So whether you just ended a relationship, are going through a divorce, or just wanting to start dating again after being single, and how no matter if you stay single or start a new relationship, it doesn't really matter. That's not the only factor to whether or not you are going to have a successful and healthy relationship. Because the truth of the matter is, uh, you can stay single for years and years and years only to avoid and numb and continue to blame your ex and not take accountability and end up repeating the same self-sabotaging patterns. Or you can have an intention to really self-reflect and do the work so you can have a healthy relationship in the future. And neither of those things, you can really put a timeline on. Now, it might be easy based on what we talked about in the last episode to assume that you have to be like fully healed in order to have a chance at a successful relationship, but that's actually not the case because you can still be broken in some areas. You can still have work to do. You can still have unhealthy coping mechanisms and still be in a healthy relationship. With that being said, today I want to debunk three common myths about healing in relationships. Because believing these myths can really hold you back. And I know they have personally held me back at different points in my life as well. Or make you think that your relationship is doomed when it's simply not the case. I'll be getting vulnerable and sharing some personal examples about areas that I'm still healing in my current relationship, as well as what is required from you and your partner if you want to have a relationship that facilitates growth and healing for you both. Hey there, you're listening to the Choosing to Heal podcast, where we ditch the small talk for real deep conversations about all that life has to offer. I'm your host, Monica Lee, and my goal is to share insights and tangible tips to help you maximize your potential and live a life full of intention and purpose. From mental, emotional, and physical wellness to relationships, faith, and business, the goal is always the same. We're choosing to heal, grow, and thrive each day. So grab a cup of coffee, get comfy, and let's chat. Myth number one, you have to be fully healed in order to have a healthy relationship or before you get into a relationship if you want it to be healthy. First off, there's no such thing as fully healed. Let's just get that out of the way. Um, and in the last episode, I mentioned society's stigma or that fear of being judged if you move on too quickly. But that stigma can also keep you stuck in fear of moving forward if you have this standard of perfection for yourself or for someone else. So if you're someone like me who ended a relationship and you really, really, really want to get it right this next time, like you don't want to get married only to go through a divorce again, it can create this fear of, oh my gosh, I have to be ready. I have to be so much better off than I was before or I'll fail again. And that's not necessarily the case either, and it can keep you stuck. And I want to remind you, the whole purpose of relationships is for it to be a container for growth and healing. You know, relationships mirror back to us the places that we still need healing. And it's impossible to heal certain things unless they're triggered within your relationship. The things that are wounded in relationship can only be healed in relationship. So that's an easy one. We can just throw that myth right out the door. You do not have to be fully healed. In fact, it is impossible. And so much of your healing will take place within the context of a relationship. 
Myth number two, a healthy relationship will have no conflict or patterns of dysfunction. So there's a difference between a toxic, unhealthy relationship with constant recurring patterns of abuse and having a normal relationship that experiences dysfunctional patterns, cycles of conflict, and occasional rough patches. So it can be really easy to quickly write off a relationship at the first sign of distress. And I mentioned that sometimes believing these myths, it will hold us back. And that's one of the ways is, oh, gosh, we aren't getting along all the time. That must mean it's toxic. That must mean they're a narcissist. That must mean that I suck at relationships. Like this means it's horrible, like on and on and on it goes. So it's not so black and white. And let's not forget that every one of us is human. Every one of us makes mistakes. Every one of us has things within us that still need healing. So it's just unrealistic to expect that being in a healthy relationship means happily ever after. And yet, sometimes we have that expectation nonetheless. So if you think about it, if you have two humans with childhood trauma that caused unhealthy coping and defense mechanisms, it's only normal to expect that those things will show up in the relationship. The difference between a healthy and an unhealthy relationship is the way you approach and respond to those patterns of dysfunction, those conflict cycles, and those rough patches. So just to give you an example, let's say you have a fight that blows up and neither one of you handled it very well. In an unhealthy relationship, you would continue to blame the other partner and never take accountability for your part, never take time to revisit that rocky moment when you're regulated to dissect what was happening emotionally within you, like question your beliefs and question the stories that you might have been telling yourself, taking ownership of your own reaction. And that would continue to happen time and time again. Now, in a healthy relationship, it may look very, very similar, but there's a key difference. So You may not react well, and you may even do the things that it just described. Maybe you actually did blame the other partner. Maybe you struggled to take accountability, and it took you a while to be able to like regulate again. Well, the difference is once you are regulated, you're still committed to processing through what happened, and you're willing to get honest with yourself eventually and own your part and make those steps to attempt to repair and be committed to learning and growing from that experience. So I wanted to share a personal example, and I don't know that I've ever talked about this on the podcast, but this is something I am still really struggling with is how I show up in conflict. You know, from the outside, it may seem like I'm participating in this dysfunctional behavior. And honestly, you wouldn't be wrong. The reality is I do have dysfunctional coping behaviors that are hurtful and they aren't at all how I want to be showing up. It's not how I want to be as a partner. And I also know that a lot of what I experienced in my childhood contributed to me acting out in anger and defensiveness. You know, I never had my emotional experience seen, heard, understood, or validated as a kid. And so I learned that the only way to try and attempt to get my needs met was to act out in extreme ways to try and get attention because nothing else worked. Unfortunately, that was only punished more, which just reinforced my abandonment fears and fears of being alone even more, which then out of that fear perpetuated my unhelpful acting out behaviors. So I learned how to self-sabotage very young and it's a pattern I'm having to work to unlearn to this day and it is not easy. Like these old ingrained patterns die slow deaths. It is very hard to unlearn. Thankfully, I have a partner who knows this about me and understands it. 
And he knows that these behaviors and these coping mechanisms were birthed out of pain and brokenness in an attempt to protect me. And he's able to see through my pain to the wounded inner child who is crying out for love and acceptance. And that's one of my biggest needs in a relationship. And we don't all have the same needs, but because of what I lacked as a child, that is a huge core need in relationship is, has always been someone who is able to see my shortcomings and the ways that I'm still failing and still accept and love me. Because my parents, all they did was see this outward protest behavior and it was punished. You know, they never saw the hurt beneath the surface. And when all I wanted was for someone to come and comfort me and embrace me, and I never received that. And it took me a while in therapy and just through my own work and processing to realize that being accepted and seen while I was learning how to undo these behaviors was one of my core needs in a relationship. When I was younger, I had no idea who I was, let alone what my core values were. And this led me to impulsively choose people just because I wanted to feel chosen rather than because they were the right fit as a partner. Discovering what my core values were, it was the catalyst that helped me realize why I was always trying to change my former partner into something that he wasn't. And it was that missing link that I needed to move forward into a new healthy relationship, knowing that my needs would be met and that we could build a strong foundation together. If you're listening to this and you're like, uh, Monica, I have no idea what my core values are or what my needs are in a relationship, not to worry. I created a free workbook that will help you discover your core values and needs, and you can get it by clicking the link in the description below. Myth number three, your partner can't help you heal. That is your own work. So let's go back to the personal example I was sharing about my own relationship earlier. So I mentioned that one of my greatest needs in a relationship was someone who could see my shortcomings, all of my flaws, all of my negative behavior coping mechanisms, and still love and accept me regardless. Now, does that mean I have a free hall pass to behave in whatever negative way I want and I expect him to accept me regardless? Like, no, not at all. That's because I'm also committed to healing and growing out of these hurtful patterns. I am conscious of them and working my ass off to act in a way that is in alignment with my values. And this ain't it. <laughs> and I am well aware. Trust me. Uh, and he also knows this and sees this. He sees the work that I'm trying to do. Like he sees me struggling and failing, but continuing to try. Like he acknowledges my small moments of growth, even if they aren't perfect. He doesn't expect perfection from me. Let's say in the past when I'm dysregulated, all I would do is react in anger, shut down and not take any accountability, which <clears throat> is very much the truth. That is how I act in conflict. It's not pretty. Like that sucks for him. But Recently, I have been trying to at least make small requests or communicate my more vulnerable feels beneath the surface, which is more than I could have said previously. Like, does it still come out angry? Yes. Do I still sound like an asshole when I'm saying it? Yes. Do I have the best tone? No. Uh, but it's still progress and he is able to acknowledge that and see that. And each time he sees me trying, though it's imperfect, it helps my inner child heal and feel more and more safe to continue making more progress. It's also my responsibility and my work to see how my behavior is wounding him. And it's important that I don't take advantage of the kindness and the grace he has for me. 
just because he's able to have patience for my inability to apologize because it triggers deep shame for me, it doesn't mean that I'm using it as a get out of jail free card where I won't ever have to apologize in our relationship ever. Like my goal is eventually to get to a place where I can do that and I want to do that and I can be a safe place for him as well. You know, we both have our strengths and our weaknesses, our sensitive soft spots that are tender for each of us. And we're both able to show up for each other when one of us is strong and the other is struggling. And that's what relationships are for. You know, there's a lot of talk these days about how a partner shouldn't complete you. Like they aren't responsible for making you happy for your behavior. Like if you're waiting on someone else to do something before you can feel good, then it's codependency. And, and yes, these things are true to an extent, but it's also true that your partner can aid in the healing process by showing up in ways that you need when you're dysregulated. Co-regulation is a very real thing and it is extremely healing, especially with those who have deep trauma. Like it's going to be a lot harder for some people to learn how to regulate on their own and having a safe partner to do it with is going to help them get to that place faster and more effectively than them doing it all on their own. Now, I'm not advocating or saying that you should listen to this episode and go to your partner and say, see, if you would only do this, it would help me to regulate. No, what I am saying is, yes, it's our responsibility and ours alone to be accountable to our own actions. And also the benefit of being in relationship is we can help each other heal by providing safety for each other to wrestle with these deep wounds, to find acceptance and become our most authentic and aligned selves as each day passes. Hey again, thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end, which makes you one of my favorite people. If you can think of anyone who would benefit from listening to this episode, it would mean the world if you'd either send it to them directly or share about it on social media. Ratings and reviews are the absolute best way you can support the podcast and keep the content coming. So make sure to subscribe and leave some love while you're at it. You can find me on all of the social platforms at Monica Lee blog and follow the podcast at choosing to heal. Thanks again. And I'll see you next time.